Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach us at the podcast by emailing us at championshiproundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Louis Shackshaft. My Twitter handle is at Louis Shackshaft. It's just my full name. I currently write for Shoot Football. I represent Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, I recently contributed uh, to Transfer Bible and the Sheffield Star. I'm James. I'm a Preston North End fan. My Twitter handle is underscore James Vickers. And at the moment, I write for a Preston North End fan blog, which is Tom Clark at the backpost.wordpress.com. Hi, I'm Russ. I am a form supporter. My Twitter handle is Russ underscore Goldman. And uh, that's how you can reach me. You can also listen to my show. The Twitter handle is uh, Cottage Talk on Twitter. Thanks so much for coming on today, guys. Uh, we'll just start with making the rounds where each of us will have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, Louis, we'll start with you. Uh, how's the past week been for Sheffield Wednesday? Obviously, you got a uh, late equaliser yesterday to sort of get a point. Are you happy with that? And sort of how did you think the performance went? Uh, I've got mixed emotions, to be honest. It's been a bit of a strange one. I will, we'll talk about, obviously, the season more later. But going, going on to yesterday, uh, we drew at Brentford, obviously. Uh, last minute equaliser, I thought we were going to lose the game, uh, but we came away with a point. Uh, we did have, this is the frustrating part, being a Sheffield Wednesday fan at the minute, we, we seem to be dominating games but not getting any points as such out of it. We came, we came with a point yesterday, but we had 19 shots on goal yesterday. Uh, 10 of them were on target. Uh, we had 60% possession. So another day, we would have won that maybe 3-1, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's a bit of a strange one for me at the minute. We, we had... Dave Jones made his well. He made his starting debut yesterday. He came on against Leeds last week, but he made his starting debut. He got sent off the descent after 73 minutes. It's a bit of a strange game. He's never been sent off in his career. He's 31 years of old. It's 31 years old, um, and then obviously gets sent off yesterday. Um, so we came away with a point. Like I said, we've got mixed emotions off the field. Strange things happening at Wednesday again this week. Uh, apparently, Ati Nuiu came off and he raised his middle finger to the Wednesday fans. Uh, obviously, something he shouldn't be doing. Uh, but I can see where he's coming from. The, the amount of stick the guy gets on, on, on and off the field. Um, I, know he's, I know he's a player that isn't a fantastic talent. It can be a frustrating player because he's everything that he is good at is where he shouldn't be good at and everything that he is bad at is where he should be good at. He is a frustrating player to watch, uh, but I can see why he stuck his middle finger up to fans yesterday because people just give him so much stick on and off the field all the time. Um, so we'll definitely see what happens again with that this week. Um, but I'm, I'm the type of fan what, however, if Wednesday were in, I don't know what it's called now, but if Wednesday were in the conference, um, I'd still support every single player on the team, whether they were good or bad on the day. As long as they're wearing a Wednesday shirt, it doesn't matter to me. I'd still support the team. And until somebody comes in and that player moves on, we need to support him. So that's all I've got to say about that. Um, thank you, Jake. Yeah, just uh, after you just said that, I just want to ask you about Forestieri because uh, obviously he refused to play a few weeks ago. And I just want to know what your thoughts are on that situation at the moment and sort of has it been moved on from now? Um, <laughs> I knew this was going to come up. I've, uh, I've made a note of this. It, it's, it all seems to have calmed down. Now, the, the Forestieri saga, it, it, it came out with a public apology and things have slowly calmed down. And I, uh, give it another week, I think it'll be completely forgotten about. After his public apology, everyone seems to be right. Like, OK, we've moved on from that. I think what's happened is he was advised by his agent wrongly. And I think... Agents these days play a big part in people, obviously, or players 
just wanting more money and obviously they get part or 10% of signing on fees. And I think deep down he was a player who wants to play for Sheffield Wednesday. You can see that when he plays. He does love the club. I think what's happened with in, in recent times over, over the summer, uh, players have received uh, new contracts and I think he's probably fifth, sixth top earner in the club now. And obviously he was a key player for us last season. I think his thinking is... I should be earning top money, and and I, f- I believe that Stephen Fletcher is is on thirty forty grand a week now. Uh, I think he's thinking he needs to be on that kind of money. And if Forest area had just knuckled down, continue playing the pl- way he was by Christmas, I believe he'd have got his contract of the money after anyway. So he's definitely gone the wrong way about it. Um, but yeah, it's certainly all calmed down now, and I've, hopefully that um, dark clouds gone over. Hillsborough and it's all been brushed aside yeah just moving on to you now James uh obviously hasn't been a great start for Preston in the league but um you know it could be worse he could be Blackburn I just, just talk us through what's been going on over the last week at uh, Preston yeah so yesterday we got beat 1-0 by Ipswich um it was quite a frustrating game from a fan's point of view um it's sort of been the same all season really with the exception of the League Cup um games where we're getting battered on possession, shots on goal. And it's games that last season we did so well at turning those sort of games where we are getting battered into draws and occasionally sneaking victories, which sort of left us mid-table last season, which everyone was delighted about. Um, We've sort of lost a few key players in the summer and not really brought anyone of quality in to replace them. Um, So at the moment, it looks like it's going to be quite a difficult season. Um, sort of not picking up points where we should be and just generally not really been in games, especially yesterday. Uh, it could have been sort of four or five nil to Ipswich from the highlights I've seen and spoken to fans that were at the game. Uh, so, yeah, worrying times ahead. Yeah, I just want to talk to you about uh, Simon Grayson because uh, obviously he's viewed as a man who's great at getting clubs up from League One but then struggles in the Championship. Do you think that's a fair reflection? Yeah, um, before he came in, I had sort of mixed opinions, um, sort of great at getting teams out of League One, but he always never was sort of given a, a fair crack at it in the Championship. Um, I still think he's the right man for the job at the moment. There's not really anyone else out there that would come in and sort of do a better job with the playing staff that we've got. And he has a great um, connection with Beckford as well and really gets the best out of him. Um, but yeah, without some some backing uh he seems a bit reluctant in the transfer market this season for whatever reason um and it seems that it's sort of getting a bit stale um sort of a few fans starting to be a bit unhappy with it um but as long as he's manager of preston he'll get my support um yeah so <laughs> kind of troublesome times at the moment yeah, and Russ, uh, an exceptional start to the season was capped off with a win against uh, struggling Blackburn. Maybe it wasn't as easy as a lot of people predicted, but uh, still a win at the end of the day. How do you think the last? How has the last week been as a Fulham fan? Wow, it's uh, it's been a very interesting week, Jake. Uh, I definitely will end by talking about the victory against Blackburn, but I have to start with talking about all the controversy going on with Fulham with their transfer policy. I don't know if you guys have been up on what's been going on with Fulham with their with their uh, their data man, Craig Klein. Basically, uh, behind the scenes, the, there's been much going on with Slavisa Jokanovic. He's been uh, open in the public about his thoughts uh, with the uh, with the data man, Craig Klein. He bit, you know, it was reported by Sam Wallace in the Telegraph. Again, this is being reported, so so it is speculation that that Fulham have a double check system, meaning. For any transfer to come in, it has to get the approval of, say, say uh, traditional scouting, the manager, and 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 uh, interviews. And on the other side, the data reports. The uh, you know you have to get two checks. And there have been players that, again, Savisa has been talking about that maybe Fulham have missed out on because they have not gotten the approval of the data. So that's been a huge. Huge thing with Fulham this week. But then if you look on the flip side, we beat Middlesbrough in the uh, League Cup. We we made 10 changes to the starting 11 
basically it was a B team, even though Savisa says it isn't a B team. It was a very young team with some experienced players, and we beat Middlesbrough, and that was that was encouraging. Uh, also, the way that they won uh, in extra time, again, very good sign for Fulham that they are able to win matches at the very end. Even though that this was a B team, they still figured out a way to win. Now you transition that to the match yesterday, and yes, many would would be expecting us to to possibly really do a number on Blackburn, but this is Fulham's third season in the championship, and I know that every match is a dogfight. So even though I predicted a 2-0 victory, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. And uh, I have to give Blackburn credit because they they basically put everyone behind the ball except for the striker, played very well defensively. We had the majority of the uh, possession, but but uh, but didn't trouble the goalkeeper as much as you would like. But in the end, uh, this has been the difference with Fulham, finding ways to win. They found a way to win in the fourth minute of five minutes of stoppage time, a goal by Tom Kearney going up against his old club and basically, you know, sticks it to him with a goal. I mean, it was really unbelievable for them to win at the last, basically going into the last minute of stoppage time. It was extended for a few more minutes, but... Um, Times are very good for Fulham, and uh, I'll talk a little bit later when we talk about the business we've done in the transfer market. But uh, this is unusual, guys, because I've I've dealt with three very poor seasons, and now things are starting to turn around for Fulham. Yeah, hi, Ross. It's Louis. I, I was just going to ask you a question regarding sure. Fulham. Um, obviously, the started really well, sat second in the league. They haven't lost a game yet. Do you think that they could be the Brighton of last season, whereby they could continue and push for that top three, top four team? Because it's, they seem to be just... They, they seem to know how to get points this season, if you know what I mean. They, they, they're not conceding too many goals. They're knowing how to get a point or three, if that makes sense. They seem to be that team this season. Louis, it's a great analogy. I actually used it before... The end of last season, I, I, I said there could be an opportunity to be a Brighton, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're going to win matches uh, until they bring in a striker to two to one, one nil. That to me is fine. It, it's finding ways to win, like you said. That's what Brighton did. Brighton never beat anyone handily. They didn't have a, a goal scorer who scored twenty-five to thirty goals like McCormack. They had Tomer Hamed, but it was a team. What we're seeing now from Fulham, Louis. Is is a team, and and it really starts defensively. It's a brand new defense, uh, including the goalkeeper. So uh, basically, you know, it's funny because because I said this on uh, on Cottage Talk. I think uh, flying underneath the radar, a person that's had a huge influence on Fulham has been Stuart Gray. Stuart Gray, I think, has made a huge de- uh, huge uh, difference with Fulham, helping them out defensively. That's what he's known for. So. Uh, I think Fulham have a chance if they keep this up and bring in a couple of strikers to be Brighton from last season. You know what? I'm glad you brought up Stuart, Stuart Gray because when he was at Wednesday, I loved the guy. He was, like you say, we, we, had, an, we had an average team in the championship. In fact, we had a below average team in the championship at Wednesday. And Stuart Gray just knew how to get points. Like you said, we may not have had a decent goal scorer. We may not have had a decent defence but on the day, I like the fact that if we went 1-0 behind, he, he weren't afraid to put four strikers on the pitch. He just knew how to get a point or three. And I really was disappointed when Stuart Gray left Sheffield Wednesday because he certainly steadied the ship. And I know we've progressed as such from those days and the, our chairman's got different ambitions, but Stuart Gray was a fantastic manager at Fulham So I'm, I'm at, at Wednesday, so I'm really glad to hear he's doing well at Fulham now. And like you say, a, a team like Fulham, is, as long as you're not conceding goals and you know how to win 1-0 or 2-1 on the date, I've got every confidence in you staying in that top four, to be honest. Well, I, I listen, Louis, I, I really hope so. But, but again, I can't say enough good things about Stuart Gray. Stuart Gray joined Fulham at a very difficult time. And then you have Slavisa coming on. What's interesting is that he's stayed on with his staff. So it's basically, it's Slavisa's staff along with Stuart Gray and some other coaches. And, and, and it's all come together. That's what's been interesting. But, but I keep thinking when we've been having a few clean sheets as we have and the defense looks light years from last season, 
I have to feel that Stuart Gray has some kind of influence here. So that's why I wanted to mention it. Yeah, um, I think I, when I came on your show before the uh, Newcastle game, I did think that I did say I thought Fulham were going to do a lot better than people were saying. I thought that they've done good business, and I quite like the sort of uh, way you go about transfers. And I'm just going to come on to Newcastle now, and I, I'm going to talk about the way we do transfers because it is completely different to Fulham. We seem to, <laughs> we seem to have given Rafa Benitez full control, which I can completely get behind because he's a you know a world class manager. He's done great things in the game, but. It does look like he's got complete control over uh, who we bring in. It looks like um, he's bringing players in that sort of fit fit what he wants to build, it, it, rather than going down the stats route and looking at the statistics and you know goals scored, expected goals, things like that that seem to be coming into the game. Uh, a perfect example would be Daryl Murphy, who uh, joined today. I haven't seen a great deal of him. I, I guess um, my initial reaction to the signing was one of sort of underwhelmment. Maybe because I'm I'm used to being in the Premier League, and I, I thought maybe Daryl Murphy isn't the player we should be looking to bring in, uh, especially for the price he's costed. I think it could go up to as much as four million uh, if we get promoted, which is a lot of money for a 33 year old. But at the same time, we we are, we have been lacking up front. Uh, at the weekend, we didn't have a recognised striker uh, because Gale and Mitrovic were both out of concussions, uh, both suffered in the EFL Cup, which is incredible that your both of your strikers will be ruled out uh, with concussions because they brought the new ruling in, uh, where if you suffer a concussion, you cannot play for seven days. I think it is, regardless of whether the doctors say you're fine to play, which I I understand the reasoning for it, but. I think it, it should be maybe more like it is in other sports where each case is uh, studied on its merits and they can decide if they are fit enough to play and they're not going to do any danger to themselves. But maybe that, I, I'm saying that because we suffered from it. But uh, but yeah, it didn't matter in the end. We we got, uh, we got beat Brighton. I think it was a good performance. We the we spoke about Brighton earlier. They're, they're a very good team and they did very well last season. They've added Glenn Murray this season and kept the majority of their key players. So it looks like they're going to be up there again. I didn't think, I, I, th- I thought we didn't play amazingly well, but we were just so uh, well organized at the back. We didn't concede many chances. We took the chances that came our way, both from set plays, which um, I'm glad we've improved on because they're a massive part in this division. So it was, it was a good three points and now we've won our last four games in all competitions. We're up in fourth place. Uh, the only two teams that have beaten us uh, are first and second. So maybe those losses weren't as bad as we thought they were at the time. And uh, yeah, we've really rebuilt our season. We're heading into the sort of last few days of the transfer market, going to do a bit more business, sell a few of our big earners. And hopefully we're going to be in a really good position to challenge for um, the top uh, the top two places as expected. Jake, uh, I have a question for you because you brought up concussions and uh, concussions is, is a huge topic over here. And I, I'm glad that you brought it up the way that you did. A blanket seven-day window that you have to sit out. I disagree with. I think this should be a case-by-case case and this should be testing that if you reach a certain level, then you are allowed back into training and then eventually to play. I think, you know, I'm not sure what what the testing is with concussions, but having a blanket seven days, I don't know if I agree with Jake. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I, I, um, I think that Benitez sort of said in his pre-match press conference that bo- both players were completely fine. Uh, they were training as normal. They were, uh, well, uh, not training, but because I don't think they're allowed to, but sort of around the changing room as normal. They, they were their normal selves. Uh, the doctors seemed to think they'd be fine to play, but, um, I I can understand the reasoning for doing a blanket ban just to sort of really save, um, you know, any disasters happening because, sure. uh, yeah, because, you know, it can happen. But um, it is it, it, maybe kind of a lazy one, um, a lazy ruling sort of just covering themselves and maybe not getting experts in on the uh, subject to sort of make up the rulings. Right, Jake. And, and, and that's why I wanted to bring this up, because there should be some some overruling body that that really looks into this you know seriously and and has not just a a blanket seven days but but has protocol that that the that the player has to pass before they let him back to training if you understand where i'm going on that because we do that in other sports here and and listen i'm all about protecting the player uh the brain is something that that you need to take very seriously uh one of my favorite football players over here in america Taylor Twelman, his career ended because of concussions, and I'm very sensitive to it. But on, but on both sides, I think there should be protocol in place, not just seven days. It might be seven days, but it might be less. I think they need to go through testing to make sure that the player 
can come back and is fit to go. Because like you said, maybe there's a case where just because they knocked heads, he, he did not have a concussion or or that he's really okay. Uh, there needs to be protocol in place, Jake. That's all I'm going on that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if, if this had happened to a Premier League team and maybe uh, they had both their strikes out due to this ruling, despite the manager thinking they could play, there'd be a lot more coverage on it and maybe there'd be uh, more experts getting involved and giving their view on the new ruling. Because I think it's a ruling that has sort of gone under the radar. Not many people have noted it because, you know, it's it's you're only really going to take notice of it if it, if it happens. And it, it has now and it's affected Newcastle. Luckily, we didn't lose the game or drop points, so it didn't have a huge effect. But it's definitely something that maybe needs to be looked at. Okay. Jake, it's James. I was just going to ask you, um, how has this season started in regards to Mike Ashley? I know sort of one of the main reasons last season um, all the fans were sort of quite rightly getting on his back. Has that sort of died down now? Um, or is that sort of still an ongoing thing at Newcastle? Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because we did, I did touch briefly on it last week. But um, to, even today, I've seen a lot of Newcastle fans talking about Mike Ashley. I think the general feeling is that he's done a lot of bad in the past. Um, he's done a lot of weird things such as renaming the stadium. He's not He's not massively popular among the fans. But he is sort of... It, it, it sort of looks like the penny has dropped and he's sort of realised what we, what he needs to do as an owner. He's appointed a good manager. He, he's invested heavily in that, where in the past he's appointed Pardew McLaren on relatively small wages and sort, sort of it seemed like he was uh, taking the easy option. But now he's really investing in the manager. Uh, there's a lot going on on the training ground. The um, interaction between the fan and the fan base and the club has improved so much on social media and... Uh, you know, things in person, they, they get fans in, they, you're allowed to go to the training ground sometimes. And it, it's all, it, they've become a lot more approachable. And it sort of, it sort of seems like he's making big progress, but he's always like one massively bad decision away from upsetting the fan base. He's never going to be as popular as other owners, but he, I don't think he's as bad as maybe Chilino or I, I think I'd rather have him than the Aston Villa <laughs> owner as well, because he makes a fool of himself daily on Twitter at the moment. But yeah, I just want to move on now to the topics for today. Um, I just want—I've been wanting to talk about this for the last few weeks. I just want to know what your thoughts are on the removal of the emergency loan window. Do you think that's a good idea, and what sort of effect will it have? We'll start with you, Louis. Um, I've got two views on this. To be honest, it's a bit of a strange one. Uh, firstly, if, if you're looking from the view of a big club who've got money, especially take Newcastle for an example, Jake. The, the emergency loan window is something that should not exist. So all their business should have been done by the end of the trans- transfer window, if that makes sense. It's, it's just an excuse if a player gets injured or someone gets injured that they can use the emergency loan window. It's something that shouldn't exist in that respect. However, from my other point of view, if you look at a, a club in like League One or League Two are, who aren't very financially stable, who can't bring in big players, I think the emergency loan window is very good for them kind of teams whereby you can get a player who's probably sitting in the reserves or or a, or a younger player who's 18, 19, 20 who's just sitting on the bench at a championship team who can go to League One and League Two and play a game and get that experience. And especially for English players who want to be, you know, we want to, we want to grow English players in, and, and have homegrown players in this country. And I think for that benefit, it would it would be very good to have kept it. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but yeah, I've got views from both sides, if that makes sense. Just from a, like a big club don't really need it because they definitely should have had all their business done and they've potentially got the players there anyway and, and a, a good youth set up. Uh, but from a lower league club, I can definitely see why it would benefit the team and the player that would be going on emergency loan also. Yeah, that, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I, I think it's another move that, as, as it's becoming uh, common in the sport overall, it's another move that favours the bigger sides. Uh, even in the Football League, I think that the bigger sides in each division are going to benefit because they can have bigger squads, um, sort of make sure that they've got co- uh, enough cover to make sure they don't suffer from injury crisis and things like that. Uh, another thought I've got on it is that maybe it might, it might be a bad thing for young players because... Um, Clubs are going to be sort of reluctant to loan them out until they've got their targets in, just in case they need them. And then it might get to the point where they don't have enough time to loan them out in the window because they're trying to get a deal done on deadline day. And then this young player may not be able to get regular first team football because the loan window is no longer there. And I, I think that could be 
something that has a really bad effect on the development of some of the young players, especially in the Premier League, because a lot of them need to go out on loan and, and they won't get that opportunity. Yeah, sort of. It's an interesting one with Preston quite sort of over the last few years since Grayson has been in charge. We've sort of relied quite heavily on loan players, um, not having the finances really to go out and spend sort of decent money on a player. Um, most of the signings we've made over the last few years have been loan players. So we've had the likes of Jordan Pickford, who's now gone back to Sunderland and played yesterday for them. Uh, and Callum Robinson, who came from Aston Villa, who we've since signed permanently. Um, so in that regard, it's good to get sort of English players out and playing. Uh, and it sort of does help from a club um, such as Preston, who don't have sort of masses of money to to be spending on players. Um Sort of on the other hand, though, um, it, it sort of works against itself. If Preston are bringing in players from Premier League teams, there's players in our youth setup that must be thinking, when am I going to get my chance almost? Um, if we're constantly bringing in players from sort of bigger clubs um, or teams in the same division on loan, we're kind of looking past our own youth setup. Um, something that we used to be quite good at bringing through uh, youth players and something that over the last few years especially we haven't really done as much. Um, we've only had sort of the odd one or two come through um, and then you see the likes of sort of Barnsley getting big money for the, the John Stones sort of move. There's sort of English players are in high demand at the moment uh, and can command quite big transfer fees. So to actually get some young English players coming through the team uh, who sort of eventually we sort of sell on um it sort of hinders that in a way uh getting um players in from bigger clubs but at the same time yeah so on the emergency loan period situation i'm right in lockstep with louis he actually i thought said it very well i hadn't really thought about the lower league so i'm glad that he brought that to the table but i truly believe that this is a good thing to get to force everyone to get their business done now. And uh, in in Fulham's case, we're, we're expecting a, a pretty busy last forty eight hours for the Premier League teams offloading loan players. So I think you're going to see a lot of action in the forty eight hours, the last two days. And I I actually think that's a good thing to get all the business done now, and then we can all concentrate on the season. You should be able to get your business done now. That's the way I look at it. But I do see Louis's point about about like League One and League Two and English players. So so uh, he, he has a very, very good point there. But for, for teams in the championship and also uh, teams in the Premier League, I think this is a good thing to force everyone to get their business done right now. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, th- I think it, maybe in the past, some clubs have uh, maybe not uh, been so keen to do their business on deadline day because they knew they had the backup of the emergency loan window. And... Uh, maybe that prevented them from building their squad properly. Because I think in the championship, there has maybe been a squad building problem uh, where they have heavily relied on loans and they sort of thought, oh, we don't want to get a player on our wage bill. Uh, if if our first choice left back gets injured, we can go and loan one in the loan window and we're, we're covered there. So we don't have to really um, spend loads on wages. We can sort of decrease that through it. So I, I think that's a good point. And I think... Um, you're seeing this summer, there's been a lot of transfer business being done by most clubs in, in the league. Um, maybe James would disagree, but um, yeah, we, <laughs> I know we've been doing a lot of transfer business and because we've been selling so many, we've been bringing them in. But it is important to build a squad. It's important to not rely on loans because they are. Because uh, I, I know in the past, Watford have relied on loans and done really well and some people think that's unfair. And I think maybe this... Um, Make sure that makes teams sort of build their own squads and, and, and do all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think I think it's a good thing. But um, I'd just like to move on now quickly to um, the transfer deadline day. We've mentioned it. Uh, do each of you think you're going to do much business before the deadline day? I know you just mentioned that you do expect it, Russ. And do you think anybody will leave your clubs? Uh, we'll start with you for this, Russ. Uh, what are your thoughts on Fulham's business before the transfer deadline? Well, it's funny because uh, I I do expect someone to leave, uh, and it's probably going to be a center back uh, because we just brought in uh, Sigurdsson f- from Iceland, uh, so that opens up uh, opens up an issue now at center back because uh, we have Tim Ream and Richard Stearman, and uh, if you're asking me, I think that Richard Stearman would be the player to go. So if there's someone to go, I think it's going to be him. The one fear Fulham supporters have and 
it's just because he's been playing so well is that someone will come in in the last minute from the Premier League for Tom Kearney. Uh, that, I hope, doesn't happen. I don't see him leaving, but that's al- it's always a fear that someone's going to come in for one of your best players, but I don't see that happening. In regards to players coming in, uh, Fulham need at least one to two strikers. We've been We've been linked to several. The, the most recent I've seen as, uh, is Chris Martin. I would like to see Chris Martin come to Fulham from Derby County. We'll see if that happens. There have been others as well, but, but Fulham's business has been excellent so far. Every, uh, every hole that, that we've had in the squad has pretty much been taken care of, except for one, and it's a big one, and that's striker. Because right now, um, unless we get a striker, or potentially two, uh, I don't think we can go as far as we could potentially go. Uh, we we have not been able to replace McCormack or Dembele in that role. Um, Matt Smith is okay, but he's more of a plan B. And Collie Woodrow is is someone nice to come off the bench. They need they need a lead striker. They need they need a number one number one guy up there. And uh, I hope they they get them before the window closes. Yeah, James, what sort of uh, business do you expect to be done at Preston? And do you think, is there anybody that could potentially be moved on? Um, I think outgoings, we're more or less sort of can't afford really to lose anyone. Um, The squad is sort of bare as it is. Um, We've got quite a bit of money to spend sort of uh, from our point of view with Joe Garner going to Rangers. Um, we've got the money to replace him. Whether they will or not is a different question. Um, although Beckford did come off injured yesterday with what appears to be a hamstring injury. So that leaves us with just uh, two fit strikers at the moment. So same as Russ said, we could do with getting another one or two in. Um, we've got Stevie May, who we signed last season from Sheffield Wednesday, who is out sort of probably going to be the roof, the remainder of this season. Uh, missed most of last season. Um sort of every ligament he could damage in his knee he seemed to do at Fulham last year um as far as other incomings we don't have a fit right back at the club um that was an issue before the summer um and our only right back uh did his ACL in a pre-season game um so that was back in July and worryingly we haven't been linked with a single right back since then um we've been playing a winger there we've been playing a centre mid there um, which is one of the reasons why we've looked sort of so shaky at the back. Um, it's a makeshift defence really at the moment. Um, and then sort of creative wise, we lost Adam Reach, who we had on loan last season from Middlesbrough. Um, I don't think we're going to get him back. Um, so really we could do with bringing in probably four or five players, whether they do or not is a different question. Um, but it will be interesting to see with us sort of in previous seasons, we've heavily relied on the emergency loan window. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, what happens over the last few days of the transfer market, knowing that we don't have that to fall back on this year. Uh, James, can I just ask you, it's Louis and obviously yes. uh, being a Wednesday fan, you mentioned Stevie May. What, what has happened to that guy? Because he was he's obviously gone to Preston. He, he was at Wednesday. He didn't quite cut it. He seemed a bit lightweight in the championship for us. He, I think he scored maybe, he, he played about 36 games, for us, 36 games for us and scored maybe six or seven goals. And yeah. he's, he's obviously gone to you guys. What What's his situation? Because he had, when he came from Scotland, I know it's a different kettle of fish up there, it's different leagues entirely, but he was banging goals for fun and he just seems to have just completely gone off the radar. Yeah, when we sort of first got him in, um, quite a few fans were sort of disappointed with it. Sort of for us, we paid big money for him. I think it was somewhere around the million pound mark, which is a, a heck of a lot of money for Preston to... Uh, to spend on a player um the first month or two he didn't really show anything um but unfortunately for him he was sort of seeming just to come good um as he got injured at Fulham uh, that was last November um he's still not training um and as far as sort of fans are aware and people that I've talked to at the club he is going to be out I'd imagine for the rest of this season um, so it's quite an unfortunate one. He was sort of showing glimpses just before his injury um, of the player that sort of we'd seen in Scotland. Um, and yeah, it kind of it's never sort of a good time to get injured, but it came at completely the wrong time for him as he was sort of 
finding his feet and starting to hit a bit of form for us. So, yeah, it's quite unlucky for him. You never know, to be honest. He, he may still come good because he's, he's only young, isn't he? Is he 23 or 24 years old, I think? Yeah, um, I was surprised how young he actually was. I thought he was uh, a lot older than that. Yeah, he's still only young. But obviously, I know, you being a Preston fan, do you mind me just quickly asking you as well about Marnik Vermeil, if yes. you remember it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he... he um, I just wanted to know how he did for you guys last season because I've I've been to a few. He, he's played pre-season for Wednesday this this term as such, and I thought he looked quite good. And I thought he'd be pushing for a first-team place. And I just wondered. I didn't really follow him when he was pressed. And how did he do when he was with you guys? Uh, when he first came, I don't know if it was um, that he hadn't really been playing for Wednesday or it was just sort of nerves of moving to a new club. He was <laughs> for the first month probably one of the worst sort of players I've seen at Preston but once he sort of found his footing he was arguably one of our most improved players last year even though he was on loan um when he first signed there were a lot of fans sort of jumping on his back um when he sort of come on as a sub and that kind of thing um which obviously didn't help sort of his confidence uh but once he got a run of games he sort of really impressed me um and he sort of roughly like loosely was linked with us there at the start of the summer but I think the sort of the fee Wednesday wanted for him was sort of far out of our reach um which is a shame because I would have liked to have seen him back he would have filled the right back sort of hole that we're sort of desperately needing to fill perfectly um but yeah sort of after his sort of first couple of months with us he really found his feet and uh, was one of our best defenders last season uh, James, just to go back to you uh, about about Preston North End, before I, I ask you about Ben Pringle, because I want to get yeah. your thoughts on that, uh, I, I want to say this uh, because uh, I, I respect your team. I respect Simon Grayson. I don't see your team in a relegation battle. I know it might not look like that right now, but from from, from an outsider who has watched now you, you play us a few times, yeah. I think that you guys are going to be fine. I think you're well-organized. You might not have some of the talent of uh, – maybe some in the top 10, but Simon Grayson will get you over the line. And I believe you will be mid table by, by the end of this season. That's just my prediction. Uh, so I, I wanted to say that first, but I also want, wanted to get your thoughts on Ben Pringle because for whatever reason, he didn't work out for us, but, I, but I'm hoping he works out for you. Yeah. When um, we were down in league one and we played Rotherham in the playoffs, he completely sort of destroyed us really uh, almost single handedly for Rotherham. Uh, so when we did announce that we'd signed him sort of, and uh, hadn't worked for him at Fulham, um, I was quite excited. It's sort of creativity, creativity that we were lacking last season. We had quite a lot of nil-nil draws and scrape one-nil wins. We never really sort of gave a team sort of a, a free four-nil um, beating. So it was quite exciting when we got him in. Um, he looked really good in pre-season. Um, I don't know if that's because the games are sort of not as sort of fast paced um great delivery um just for whatever reason this season he has sort of gone off the boil a bit sort of the first few games um i don't think it's helped he's been playing central midfield with paul gallagher who i think is far too similar to him um and the one game we have won this season um grayson played a defensive midfielder sort of in the center of those two which allowed them both to push forward um I think he'll come good for us. Uh, I hope he does because I quite like the player. Um, but yeah, at the moment, it's sort of got off to a shaky start, but you can tell that there's a quality player there and yeah, really hope he does well for us. Yeah, best of luck with him because uh, I'm sorry it didn't work out with us, but I, I, I think he went to a club that it, it will fit in eventually. He is a good player, so so just yeah. hopefully, hopefully he will, Grayson will put him in the uh, the right position to succeed. Yeah, fingers crossed, yeah. Uh, so finally, I'll just move on to Sheffield Wednesday deadline day business. Uh, I'm tearing my hair out a little bit with this one because <laughs> <laughs> I think we still need two key players what are going to push us and drive us towards that top four. And, and at minute, I know we're I know we're struggling. I'll come back come on to that in a second. We've got five points in five games, but we seem to have we 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 almost had a, a done deal with Joe Bennett, which fell through from Aston Villa due to their chairman. Uh, playing games or whatever he was doing again that seemed to be a done deal and he pulled the plug uh, but apparently we're after some left back called Chris Mavinga 
Um, he's 25 from Ruben Kazan. Um, he did play for Liverpool youth team. And to be honest, that's all I really know about the guy. Um, so that's almost a 90% done deal at the minute, I believe. For me, we still need another centre-back. We bought in Vincent, Sat- uh, Vincent Sasso about 10, 12 days ago. Um, he was with us last season on loan. He signed a one-year deal. And potentially, he's, he's, he's a good little player, uh, but he's only good enough to sit as third, fourth choice at centre-back, if that makes sense. And for me, like I mentioned, we still need a, another centre-back, what's going to push such as Lees and Leuven's when he's fit. It'd be nice to see Hutchinson, he's playing centre-back at minute and doing really well, but having that option for playing in defensive midfield also. Um, again, I believe we need a winger. Uh, we've got Boss Wallace at the minute and Matthias is always injured and out. Uh, we've been linked with Callum McManaman, uh, but we seem to have been linked with him for about six to eight weeks. And that, I don't believe that's ever going to get done. So after that, I'm kind of clueless to what winger we're going to bring in because I believe that we still need one. And outgoings, uh, I understand that Caelan Lavery is potentially going to our rival Sheffield United. It'd be a good little signing for them. I do like Lavery. Uh, he's a decent little flair player and he can potentially score goals. And Lewis McGugan is still free to leave. I don't know if there's been any interest whatsoever, uh, but I don't think he's going to end up going anywhere, to be honest. And he might be just left to rot in our reserve team. Yeah, I think Newcastle are in a similar situation in terms of wingers. We definitely need to bring one or two in. Uh, Rolanda Ahrens was uh, injured in the midweek and he's going to be out for two months, I think. So we are short in those areas and uh, it's something that we need to address. We've been linked with Christian Atsu from Chelsea and I, I think talks are ongoing with him. And we've also been linked with Albert Doma from Middlesbrough, who I think would be a really good signing for the championship. It looks like we're trying to bring in more championship experienced players, which in the first couple of games we definitely lacked. Uh, and that's why sort of Murphy's come in and um, we, we, we're looking at, a Doma, I think it, it's a little, it, that's another reason for that. Um, we did manage to bring in uh, DeAndre Yedlin to replace Yamat, which was good because we were lacking at right back, and we've been and we're almost certainly going to sign a left back from Palermo called Ashraf Lazar. I, I think you pronounce it. He was at the game at the weekend, sort of sat next to one of our coaches in the stands. So that one looks done. It just needs to be announced. So there's a lot, a lot of business going on. I, I think other sort of incomings depend on what happens uh, with who goes out. I think Sissoko is probably going to leave. Although I keep saying that and he never does leave. So <laughs> maybe he's just never going to leave. He's just going to be at Newcastle for the rest of his career. I don't know. I'd, I'd rather he did leave. I think... Um, We'd probably be able to get 25 million back for him if he does leave in the last few days. But uh, it looks like our asking price is putting off a lot of clubs. Uh, Juventus are the latest club that's been linked with him. So hopefully they can do that deal. But if, if he somehow he does stay, he'd probably be very good in the championship. So I wouldn't be too bothered about that. But um, yeah, I, I don't see anybody else leaving really. I think if anybody does, it'll be fringe players that I'm not really that bothered about. So they're not really worth mentioning. Um but yeah, it, it's been a it's been a very busy window, and I'm going to be happy when it closes, so I can sort of know what we've got going forward. And I think that's that's going to be the same for all of you. I think I think the transfer window these days is very tiresome, especially with social media and things. It's horrible to follow. So I'm, I'm glad it's coming to an end. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just move on to player watch now. Um, just like to ask each of you uh, which player impressed and disappointed in your club's most recent fixture. If you can't think of one for either, uh, you can mention somebody from the opposing team as well. So we'll start with you, Louis. Um, who impressed for Shepherd Wednesday and did anyone disappoint? Uh, again, mixed emotions. So Dave Jones, he's coming from Burnley. He has looked really good, actually. Um, apart from him being sent off for descent, um, he was looking quite steady. So he's looked decent. Liam Palmer came into the team, um, even not being a first-team player for a few games now. He's, he's slowly probably uh, going to be playing on right-back or right-wing role. Uh, but he had a really good game yesterday. Also did uh, Sam Hutchinson. He was been, he's been solid all season, to be honest. And he got the 93rd minute equaliser. So um, really good game from Hutchinson. Also bad. No one's particularly played bad. Ban- Bannon's been off. Been, Bannon's been off his game this season. He, he was one of our key and most influential players last season. I'm not saying he's been bad at all. Um, he's not had a bad game in particular, but he's just missing them key moments where he were very influential last season. Um, 
yesterday against Brentford, the, the, the two things what stood out really, and it, it wasn't the performance, but it was two bad moments. So Lucas Zhao missed the sitter from two yards. I don't know if you've seen it online, but God knows how he's missed that one. He kind of seems to fluff it with one foot and then fluff it with his other foot and it just goes miles over the bar. So what happened there, I don't know. And um, our, our conceded goal against Brentford, it, it was it was ridiculous. It was a, a mistake from goalkeeper Kieran Westwood, who I'm not going to moan about because for two years now he's been sensational for us. He's been absolutely fantastic. But it was one of them where the striker vibe for Brentford was closing down. He had, he had plenty of time to clear the ball. He took an extra two seconds and it's just rebounded into the back of the goal. So other than that, two bad moments and a couple of players what did stand out yesterday, but nothing extreme. Yeah, James, uh, the same question for you, really. Who uh, impressed and disappointed it, it for Preston? Yeah, well, considering we lost 1-0, um, it's sort of hard to pick a player that impressed. Um, Callum Robinson um, would be the one, though, that I'd choose. He uh, has been with us a few times on loan over the last couple of years. Um, we've got him permanently now. Um, he was a bit hit and miss when we had him on loan. Um but ever since we've signed him, um, he's looked a completely different player. He's added a lot of pace to us going forward, which we haven't had for a couple of years now. Um, he played quite well yesterday. He was unlucky not to score um, and seems to be that flair player that hopefully can fill the boots of Adam Reach, who's left us, um, and create sort of going forward. Um, on the other hand, player that disappointed, probably say Tom Clark. He was fantastic for us the first few seasons he was here, but for this season, for whatever reason, he's not really sort of cut it. Um, he seems to be the weak link in the defence at the moment, which is a shame because he is, um, on his day, probably our best defender, along with Bailey Wright. Um, but yeah, just for whatever reason this season, he seems to be completely off it. Um, he was linked sort of with a move away, but that seems to have died down a bit now. Um, so I don't know if his head's been turned by that. Um, but as soon as he starts sort of getting back to his best, um, I reckon we will start to see sort of more of those sort of scrappy draws that we had last season and start to get some points on the board. For Fulham, the, the issue for me, and I'll just explain it right off the bat, guys, is uh, unfortunately the replay was not made available by the time we, we did this uh, podcast. So I was not able to watch and give you a player that I've seen with my own eyes. I can only go off of what I listened to on the broadcast. And the player that seemed to make the most impact was, was a new player, and that was Aniskin's Cabano. He seemed to make the most impact. He had a shot on target early on in, in, in the first half and then had, had another in the second half. So a player that I would say... Had the most impact would be Cabano, but but uh, but overall, if if you're talking about player the player of the season, it would probably have to be in my book. Uh, Tom Kearney, who who was the match winner yesterday, got the goal in the uh, in the fourth minute of stoppage time. So I could go either way here, but um, but I'll go with Cabano because here's a player that played midweek with his other club, and now and then played almost 90 minutes for Fulham. He came off uh. I want to say 80 minutes in, but uh, he definitely made an impact for Fulham. Yeah, did anyone disappoint? Or I guess you can't really answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, just, I'll just move on and take Newcastle. Sure. Um, we were the televised game this week, so I did manage to see the game. Uh, I've, I've had the same problems with the championship. I went to the to the first game, and I haven't really been able to watch much since, so I'm going to have to try and get to more games. But uh, this week, I think I'd like to give a very special mention to John Joe Shelby. He was absolutely superb. Uh, his passing range was excellent. He was... Uh, making driving runs from the midfield, finding space um, in the final third. And when he's in those sort of situations, he can. He, he's too good for this league. He's a player that's played for England six times. He's played in the Premier League for most of his career. And when he is on his game, he, he's unplayable in the Premier League. So at, at this level, he's just too good. And I'm hoping he can play those sort of matches more often because in the past he's been very inconsistent and he's had attitude problems, but he, he seems to really be progressing under Rafa Benitez and that's pleasing because um, he, we, you need players to unlock defences, especially as uh, as we are going to be the favourites for a lot of games. Um, in the first couple of matches we played, we struggled to break teams down and they were sort of 
take it, uh, letting us have a lot of the ball, but we didn't know what to do with it. So um, I'm glad that he's starting to pick up his form. And for the player that disappointed, it's perhaps a little bit unfair, but I'm going to say Jose Perez. He, before the season started, I thought he'd be very good this year. I thought he was going to be one of the players of the, of the league, but he's not been good at all. And I, I think he's struggling with the physicality of the league. He, he's not used to maybe not getting as many fouls as he would in the Premier League. He goes down quite easily. And and in this league, the, the rest just aren't buying it. And I, I think it's put, put him off uh, in the head. And it is disappointing, but... I'm sure he's going to progress because he's a very talented player and I'm sure he's going to have a fine season once he gets going. But with that, we are now out of time. I just want to say thanks so much for each of you coming on today. Uh, if you'd like to tell people where they can reach you or any projects you're involved in, now would be a good time. So uh, it's Louis. You can catch me on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft is my Twitter handle. Uh, I recently uh, did an interview with Des Walker um, you can catch that on my Twitter feed or you can find that at shoot.co.uk um, online just under interviews. Uh, you can just give me a tweet anytime. Yep, I'm James. I have a Twitter handle which is underscore James Vickers. Um, I do write in for a Preston North End fan blog which is tomclark at the backpost.wordpress.com. Um, I've done a couple of player interviews with Bailey Wright uh, and I'm looking to do a few more. So hopefully there will be a few more of those coming out on there in the future. Okay. I am Russ Goldman uh, on Twitter. It's Russ underscore Goldman. I also have a show podcast called Cottage Talk and you can see that on Twitter. It's all together Cottage Talk and uh, upcoming on Cottage Talk. I'll just tell you guys, uh, I don't know if uh, other teams do this, but uh, other podcasters, but we do an end of the transfer window special where where we cover the last couple of hours of of the transfer window. We talk about Fulham's transfers. We're going to be talking about the transfer policy I mentioned earlier in the show. And uh, that's what's coming up uh, on Cottage Talk. Thanks for the show, guys. Yeah, and I've been your host, Jake Jackman. You can get my Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Uh, you can get my writings on EPL Index, The Boot Room, uh, Newcastle 360, Total Dutch Football. And I do uh, championship, I do weekly championship betting previews for Get Bet Smart. So basically, I just write all the time. So if, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see all, I'll uh, repost all of those. Uh, just thanks so much for listening today, guys. And we hope you join us again soon on the Championship Roundtable.